Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your guide, your uh, coach, your friend, your brother. As long your, as you're not my sister. Your brother. Hey, here's the deal. We're broadcasting to you live here from BYU Broadcasting, and apparently <laughs> we're having a mini earthquake. No, we're having construction. We're having construction, um, but the building is shaking. That it is. Can you hear it? Honestly, I'm feeling it. Well, we can feel it, yes. I can hear it. Do you hear that squeak? Mm. I don't know. Ooh. Nope. Anyway, we're trying to figure out. Somebody's going to have to run out there. If if Don, our boss, is listening, this sounds like something that programming director extraordinaire, leader of the free world, uh, BYU radio guru should go take care of. Anyway, uh, I, I digress. But here's the deal. Have we got a good show for you. Now, siblings, where would you be without your brother or sister? See, whenever you're on the NFL sidelines and they ha- a camera comes up and a guy just scored a touchdown, what does he always say to the camera? I'm going to Disneyland. Okay. Not what I was looking for. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I was looking at something else. So what was the question in again? any major sporting event, when they zoom in at the camera on one person and he's, he gestures, what does he say? He always says thanks to somebody. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Oh, that too. Or I'm going to Disneyland if you're no, the going, James. No, going to Disneyland is if you've, you've just won the, won the Super Bowl. How come nobody says, hi, brothers and sisters? I don't know. That's strange. Isn't that weird? Now, James, yeah. you guys have 20. You have 20 or, brothers. Hi, family. Yeah, nobody says that. No. And let alone dad. Yeah, forget it. I dad. mean, dad was probably the one that threw more balls at this kid. I, I still think it's a, a um, conspiracy that school ends before Father's Day, so students are not able to make wow. gifts for dads. You know, that's actually a really good point. You've thought that through. <laughs> you are a lot offended. of sleepless nights. It's a joke that I do all, it's a often, great joke. but it's still. But it's it's interesting because we here we are a byproduct we know of our family, and yet we don't talk a lot about brothers and sisters. Uh, I was raised by three beautiful sisters that literally tortured me to death. They made you they they make you say that, don't they? No, but they were wonderful. I couldn't have had it better. Literally, they just protected me. I had four mothers. And well, they were all older, right? They were all older. Yeah. And I, they made me what I am. They made me the stud, the ripped man that I am. <laughs> what? Why are you laughing? No, I, I relate. No, you were just, I, no, they, I they, relate. Did they tear you apart you're, that way you're ripped? No. They just built me up. You laughed. Yeah, I, I was just thinking. You chortled. Yeah. Why would you laugh? I just relate. I was thinking, man, that's so true. I feel the same way. And so that made I, you laugh. Yeah. And then I was like, why laugh. would you not be like, uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. That's, see, that's what I would do if I was uh-huh, with uh-huh. you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. But you chortled. Yeah. You guffawed. L- laughing is healthy. So I tried to express it. I turned into a man, just so everybody knows, when I had my rite of passage of manhood was because of my sister, Jackie. Explain. Well, you kicked a boyfriend out of the house? No. Well, kind of. Um... She was talking smack, oh. and he was over there. Ooh. And I'm like, I'm not taking that. 
and I had just taken a judo class. Uh huh. I had one judo class under my belt. <laughs> actually, it was that wasn't under even the, the class. You didn't have the belt yet. It though. was no. It was actually a scouting activity. Okay. We had a judo guy, and he taught us a move, and it was a flip, just a basic little trip flip. And I went home knowing that I'm going to have to use that on her. Uh-huh. And she starts talking smack and teasing me. And I was probably eight, I think. Mm-hmm. No, probably 11 because I was probably an 11-year-old scout. And she talked smack. And I said, you, don't, you can't tell me what to do. And she said, I'll tell you what to do. And she grabbed me and I'm like, say your prayers, little lady. <laughs> and go. I judo flipped her. <laughs> and she landed right on her back. And I took all the breath out of her. And she was like, (gasps) and right then I thought, run, (laughs) run, (laughs) run. And I ran away. But her boyfriend thought I was the coolest thing in the world. And that's when I reached manhood. Did she marry him? No. Okay. Thank God. (laughs) That's not surprising, actually. Thank heavens. Because that was part of the fight. so, So siblings make you, they make you what you are. That's why I'm ripped, by the way. Of course. That one flip. 30 years ago, mm-hmm. 33, 4, 33 years ago. So anyway, on the show today, we're going to be talking about siblings, and uh, we've got an expert that's going to come on that's done a ton of research on this, um, and he's going to guide us and teach us about the impact your siblings have on you. You, by the way, won't believe it. From your weight gain to your depression, your relationships with your siblings impact a lot. But before we move on, let's get to some headlines on siblings. Headliners from The Matt Townsend Show, a summary of stories that you might have missed. Dateline, the mail online. The mail? <laughs> yes. Uh, the M-A-I-L. M-A-I-L. Yeah. It's, a, it's a British By the way, completely uh, different magazine than the mail, M-A-L-E. Yes, that online. is true. Very true. Just Very trying good. to distinguish our sources. Very good. The headline here, though, from bickering to best friends, it takes us a quarter of a century to appreciate our siblings. Really? Yeah. According to a new study. 25 years before it dawns on you how great you had it with your siblings. Right. Exactly. Interesting. Why? I don't know. It, it, it's just, I don't know if it's time, well, distance. It, maybe that's just the sentence. It's lots of things. Maybe the sentence is zero to 25 years. But 25 is the average age when we start to feel love for our brothers and sisters after years of fighting and bickering. That's interesting. You're also about 25. You're away. You're now independent. Right. And then all of a sudden, you only have to see him once a holiday, or yeah. once every year. Seems once you reach adulthood, you're kind of ready to put your differences aside. Yeah, I like that. That sort of a thing. Cool. Well, that's so, good to know. So if any of you, you know, don't like your siblings, give it time. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're just less, maybe you're going to take a little bit longer than 25 years. Well, according to this research, there are, are about uh, 15, I, uh, I'm sorry, well, there's a few items, actually. On this list of, you'll finally like your sibling when you... <laughs> when you can flip them in a judo move <laughs> exactly. in front of their boyfriend. <laughs> Actually, number one is when you live apart from them. Yeah. But see, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Exactly. Even with siblings. I, that, I totally agree I with totally, that. I think that's great news. I, once I moved out, my relationship was much better with my parents as well. You know, it's weird. It's totally weird. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Isn't it? Uh, number two, you'll finally like your siblings when you find your differences funny instead of annoying. Ooh, yeah. Quirky. That's quirky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's true. Uh, number three, when you laugh at arguments you had as kids. Oh, yeah. See, I have a great memory. Do you memory. do that now? Oh, yeah. But I can go back. Do and... you and your sister laugh about the judo? Uh-huh. Okay. She, well, one of us does. <laughs> she doesn't quite laugh yet. But you know what? I get to speak a lot. So I use a lot of my family stories when sure. I speak. 
And my sisters, so I can always get back at them Mm -hmm. because they never have the audience I do. So I can manipulate. Number four, when you have things in common as adults. Oh, yeah. Like troubled kids. Exactly. Troubled spouses, whatever. Sure. Number five, when you are pleased for them instead of jealous. Mm. Yeah, there's always that hierarchy because there is. how come she always gets new clothes and we always have to share clothes? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's hard. James still shares clothes with his brother. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Which <They're>... is weird. <laughs> well, why? Well, he doesn't even live in town. Yeah, yeah, but he mails them he to He mails them. <laughs> Here's this week's outfit. Oh, boy. Oh, gosh. Number six, when you show an interest in their life over talking about yourself. Yeah. Well, see, but that is actually seems later than 25. You know well, what I mean? That's an average age. Twenty five well, is an average age because, like, it's kind of like reunions in your in your mm-hmm. reunion when you're twenty or when what your first reunion. What is that? Twenty three, whatever yeah. your five year reunion. Mm-hmm. Is. You, everyone's still talking about themselves. Sure, but you know, by like the twentieth reunion, you're you're like, whoa. You mean the twenty year reunion? Or twenty year reunion? You're 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 like amazed they're still alive. Exactly. Oh, you're still alive. Wow. You lived hard, man. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. How's your family? You'll also finally like your sibling when you don't live in each other's pockets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No one should live in someone's pocket. No. but Metaphorically as a, as a, or... A, or literally. Literally. <laughs> it's a small room. It's just not worth it. <laughs> or when you hold your tongue when you disagree. Yeah. How many times when you were younger with your siblings did you actually hold your tongue? Or did you know how to? No, I didn't. I yeah, still don't. I didn't. No. Well, that's the fun thing about being the youngest mm-hmm. is you don't have to hold your tongue. Yeah. And you'll finally like your sibling when you like that you've been through the same things. Mm-hmm. When you find commonality yeah. in your life. Or when your parent dies. Oh, yeah. Because then all of a sudden, you know, it's oh, just yeah. you guys now. Exactly. That's huge. Or uh, when you look after your nieces and nephews. <sighs> yeah, that was hard. <laughs> Mine are all grown up. Are they? I, but they turned out great, so we must have done a great well, job. Well, you have older siblings, though, too. I know. Mm-hmm. My kids are the babies. Uh, when you trust their advice despite your age difference? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that weird, like going to your older sibling for advice? Yeah. Because before, you know. Well, I'm the oldest, so. Yeah, you are. You don't know what that's like. Mm-mm. Do you? If you need an older sibling, you can call my sister. Okay. Yeah. So do you ever go to your younger siblings for advice? I don't. I only have a younger sister. Okay. I don't go to mine. But no, I uh, my younger sister is um, disabled. Yeah, disabled. disabled. Mm-hmm. She, so, so, but you go to her for. I go to my parents for advice. There you go. But you're, I'm sure you but go I to go your to, sister just for love. I, I have used her as a babysitter. Have you? Yeah. The, well, how so. much does she charge? <laughs> We're looking for a babysitter. Way out of your league. Oh, she does. <laughs> okay. I have, I, know, I have kids now who babysit, so yeah. if you need a babysitter, oh, I, well, no, I have no. many at home, I have actually. a nine-year-old. He's my baby, but he thinks he doesn't need a babysitter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I have yeah. a 10-year-old. Hmm. Maybe we ought to line him up. There you go. <laughs> we could become a dating show. <laughs> Ooh. That's Are me. you Jim Lang? No. Never mind. Give us one more. Uh, when you share joint frustration with your parents. Oh, that is the best thing. Yeah. When you look at each other like, oh, man. Uh, can you believe mom and dad just did that? Why does? Why won't they just listen? Why, why did they <sighs> just why, – why are they buying that? <laughs> did you see dad's pants? Yeah. 
They don't even fit. <laughs> uh, folks, we're talking about siblings today and the importance of siblings. And this is going to be great for you as a parent to make sure you're kind of strengthening your children's relationships with each other as siblings, but also so you can think through your own relationship with your brothers and sisters. We're going to take a break. When we come back, continue the discussion on siblings. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Mbop from the Hanson Brothers. See, by the way, there's a group right there. Look at that. They, they punch out this exciting song, and they probably kept each other from dying. <laughs> That's why the Partridge family was so successful. You'll hear them later. Will we really? Yes, you will. This is the big day, my friends. Today we're talking siblings. And uh, what better way to grow sibling relationships than putting them on the Partridge van or the bus and taking them across, across the country? There's always these sibling van or these sibling groups, right, uh, that, that grow strong, healthy songs and strong, healthy relationships. Like the Jackson 5, I'm sure we're going to hear from them. No. Nope. Okay. Just checking. Hey, today we are talking. We heard uh, from them yesterday. Did we? Yeah. I don't remember. Uh, siblings, my friends. Uh, how... How did your brothers, your sisters that you were raised with, how did they impact your life? We are going to talk to an expert uh, right now on the phone, Dr. Avidan Malevsky, who is an expert in this field. He's an associate professor of psychology at Kutztown University of Pennsylvania and a psychotherapist at Wellspring Counseling in Townsend, Maryland. Townsend. Townsend. Townsend, which is different than Townsend. Townsend. Love the name. Not even close. But uh, here's the deal. Avidan um, is the director of the Center for Parenting Research, and he teaches undergraduate and graduate courses in child and adolescent development. His research on families, parenting, and siblings has produced over 100 papers and a book that was released in 2011 titled um, Sibling Relationships in Childhood and Adolescence predictors and outcomes. So we decided we're going to bring him in and we're going to ask him, what is the benefit of brothers and sisters? How do they help? How do they hurt? Dr. Avidan Milevsky, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You bet. So great to have you. And um, now I hear you have a really interesting story about how you got into studying siblings. Yes. Yeah, so obviously, like many researchers, there's always a personal piece to it. So I'm, I'm one of uh, a network of five siblings. Uh, we're, we're very, very close with one another. We're four brothers and a, and, a, and a little sister. And we were always interested in the fact that instead of hanging out with friends growing up, we often just uh, hung out with each other. Yeah. And, and we are, ourselves as teenagers came up with a term that we're very sibling-focused and we're not very friend-focused. And we just <laughs> made it up. And as I was getting older and getting my Ph.D. in psychology, I was wondering, really, is there such a thing? Yeah. Is there such a thing as being sibling-focused? And being a bit less on the friend end. Well, and because to me, it's you're already again. This is we're doing the show here at Brigham Young University. We are known for big families, big families, uh, large, you know, extended families. And I look at having. I have six kids myself, Avidan, and I sit there and I think, you know, worst case scenario, they've got each other to hang out with. So, and this kind of thing has gone on for eons. This is how it's been. It seems like so. It's it seems like it should provide really positive benefits. 
Oh, absolutely. It provides benefits at each stage of development. So for children, studies do show that children who are close with their siblings are doing better in school. They have less depression, higher self-esteem, less loneliness. Uh, during the adolescent years, they're less likely to abuse drugs. Hmm. They're more likely to achieve in their identity formation. In adulthood, also, any tr adult transition is made easier when you're close to a sibling. And studies even show that you are aging more successfully if you have a close sibling bond. So wow. throughout life, having a close sibling relationship is an unbelievable benefit. Oh, that's, see, that is amazing to me. You would, I mean, it's everything, really. And is, is that Absolutely. an ongoing relationship, or is that just having a strong sibling relationship when you were young? So it, studies do show that people who are closer to their siblings early tend to remain close throughout life. Okay. So that really behooves parents to make sure that they're doing the right things to create that bond early so you really are giving them a lifelong gift. Yeah. Does it, I guess, so if somebody's an only child, are they just out there listening thinking, oh, great, I'm so, dead? Uh, Often when I deal with this in class, and I, and I do lectures on this, I, I often have a, a, an only child get offended by this research. Sure. And unfortunately, sometimes research can be offensive. You bet. And I, I think this is one of these examples where there's obviously a bit of a controversy, but again, I think it's an element of just only children feeling bad about it. But there's so many advantages in terms of learning about conflict resolution and mm -hmm. sharing and engaging others that we learn early in our sibling bond, if you're lacking that, you're lacking these uh, interesting and, and, and academic and social kind of benefits. Oh, you think about it. All of your first fights and even some of your last fights, all of these things took place just with your siblings. I remember my sister's I learned about privacy, being in the only boy in a house with four women and three sisters at all different developmental stages. And, you know, all of a sudden, privacy becomes a big issue, you know, eavesdropping on their conversations. Everything I was learning through life was coming through these siblings. Right. And, the, and these are things, again, that you're going to be applying as soon as you move on and have other relationships and at work with coworkers, you name it. It's that first microcosm of engaging others that happens on the sibling level. If you're lacking that, you really are at a disadvantage in so many things as you uh, develop. You bet. Does, it, um, does the family size matter? Does it matter how many siblings? And can you have diminishing returns if the families are too big? It seems like some of the kids will get lost or left behind. So studies tell us that there's advantages and disadvantages to both. So obviously, if there's many, many kids out there, they're often competing for parental attention. You bet. The mom has a limited amount of time in the evening to do bedtime routines and reading stories. And if there's four kids fighting for that 20-minute slot, it's going to create some kind of tension. So studies do show that in larger families, there's a bit more sibling conflict as it relates to mm. getting the attention of parents. Yeah, On the other hand, when it's larger families, you have sub like subgroups yeah. of sibling relationships. So I may not get along very well right now with my older brother, but with my younger brother, I'm really close right now. So you always have someone to depend on. So that's really the, the, the advantages and disadvantages of large families. Even smaller families, when there's like just two or three children there, there's less of that issue of competing for parental attention. Yeah. But then you definitely do have a difficulty where if there's a problem, suddenly the problem for me is the entire sibling bond. So there are advantages and disadvantages to both. It's um, it really is because we like we have with our we have six kids and I sit there and we've kind of they've kind of created two different groups the olders and the old ones and the youngins and it's it's really you know you can almost tell that 
they they learn different things just at their different stages. My oldest daughter became much more kind of like a parent, and my younger kids are maybe more free-spirited. For sure, and, and that studies definitely do show that these older kids are often tending to younger ones and larger families. So yeah. in addition to the sibling bond, in addition to what learning about conflict resolution and things like that, you, you're learning how to tend to young, and eventually could be using these uh, achievements and applying them when a person eventually uh, is a parent themselves. So on multiple levels, when you have larger families, there are different things that could be learned across the entire sibling constellation. <laughs> you know, we uh, had on the show a while ago the Duggars, 19 kids and counting. Oh, wow. uh, do you remember them? And they, they're, they're hot. They're on uh, cable, and they have a great show out there. One of the things we learned with the family, though, is how much they all take care of each other. I mean, that's 19 kids. That yeah. seems crazy in a way. But T, that's on TLC. But one of the things they, they, all of the kids would talk about is um, just this – it's kind of this bond they have to each other, and they watch out for each other, and they care for each other. And that's one of the things the parents push really strongly is the need – to protect and watch out for each other. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I, I'm not aware of any research studies that actually have samples yeah. of families with 19 kids. So it's probably a hard a comparison, study. isn't it? It's more of a case study than a quantitative yeah. study. I know that my six kids, we have the same impact as 19, like when we go to a restaurant. Uh-huh. We, we, they, they, everyone, the minute we walk in, they look at us like, oh, boy. You take over. I there, see. there goes the tip. Um, talk about the advantages of um, – I mean, I guess it's – Maybe not advantage. That may not be the best word. But talk about the impact of the large family on the individual child. Like if you're just the if you're number three and and does the birth order kind of matter? What's the impact of being number three versus number one in the family or number six? So it's, it's when you have these larger families, one of the things that studies do talk about is the identity process. So if you're number one, you have a very definitive identity. You're the oldest. You take care. And, and studies do show that there are advantages throughout life. Some studies even indicate that if you're an oldest, you're scoring 10 points higher on an IQ wow. uh, score because of that sense of responsibility yeah. and they had more time. Number three comes around, and where do they exactly fit in? Do they follow? Do they model the first one? Do they model the second one? So there's the whole literature about identification processes within families. And when you have larger sibships or larger groups of siblings, some of the older ones have a bit of a more difficult time standing out in the group. Mm. And, and, and studies uh, do indicate that in larger families, Families. Some of them may have difficulties during the adolescent years, and they may get involved with delinquency or risky behavior yeah. because they really had a tough time standing out in the crowd and mm-hmm. group of siblings. Yeah, they got to go, go kind of make a name for themselves. Absolutely. Hey, we're going to take a break. We're talking with Dr. Avidan Malevsky. If you have questions about your siblings, brothers and sisters, or your kids and some of their, you know, some of their behavior with each other. Maybe they fight a lot, fighting siblings. Give us a call, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, or tweet us at BYU Radio. We'd love to uh, answer your questions and get you on the phone with Dr. Avidan Malevsky. Uh, tons of information here about how to create healthier relationships. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Come on, get happy. Partridge family, that there is an example of, you know, 
sibling rivalry and growth and development. And in fact, just the Partridge family itself, you know, Danny Bonaducci was spun out into chaos and struggled. It's funny because all these childhood actors that had bad sibling on television rivalries or good t- TV sibling rivalries, a lot of them had trouble. So maybe it has something to do with just being a fake sibling and acting it out on TV. Today we're talking about your brothers, your sisters, and the impact that your siblings have on you growing up and, um, and throughout life, really. Dr. Avidan Malevsky is joining us. He is an associate professor of psychology at Kutztown University of Pennsylvania. He's also a counselor, a psychotherapist at Wellspring Counseling in Maryland, and the author of the book Sibling Relationships in Childhood and Adolescence, Predictors and Outcomes. Avidan, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Great to have you. Um, Talk about these sibling, the fights. I mean, I see it with my kids, and there's just, they just, it's like this, pecking order and everyone has their different moods and so when we think of our kids fighting brothers and sisters fighting is that is that a problem or is that just normal run-of-the-mill it's more than just normal i think it's a it's a healthy process of child development okay so when kids are fighting in essence it does not mean that they hate each other we often mix that up oh they're fighting to hate each other yeah absolutely don't actually i'm more concerned when Siblings just ignore each other. Oh, that's they true. Don't trigger any mood whatsoever uh, when they engage each other, because that means that there's really nothing happening between them. Yeah, when they're indifferent to each other. Passion. Yeah, and, and I guess there, there's a. Is there a pecking order? I mean, is it? Is this where they're actually testing where they fit in society? It seems like you know one of mine will take on another one, and my hot-headed son will take on the kid two sizes bigger, and it's right, just so testing ground. Right, you learn social engagement from that process, right? Parents who swoop in and just shut down any kind of fighting are really robbing kids from that opportunity to learn about how to engage one another and how to involve in conflict resolution. It's a normal thing for, for siblings to have some kind of fights. They're competing over parents. They're competing over resources. Uh, they're competing over time, right? It's, uh, just imagine, I don't know, if a spouse comes up to you and says, hey, I'm bringing in a new wife for, for a couple <laughs> years now. Uh, right. Obviously, there would be difficulties. That's in really, in essence, what happens here. You have an older child who is the, the, the king or queen of the house, and suddenly mom is pregnant, and some new kid comes along, and now we have to share everything. So it is completely natural for there to be some kind of rivalry going on there. It's, 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 it's part of the uh, normal development early on. Oh, that's and good. And when, when you fight and, and parents respond the right way, it really provides for them the opportunity to learn about how to do this in the right, mm. in the right way. So then when they reach adulthood, they know how to engage other people in healthy ways. Well, see, and that, I guess that's part of it, huh? Because as parents, we might feel like we're losers. Our kids are falling apart. Or they always fight. But this is a natural stage. What I guess there are better ways to intervene than other. I mean, I had a relative once that just bought boxing gloves. <laughs> and he just basically, you know, put them in the basement. You guys and take it downstairs. It we got gloves down there. Duke it out. That may not seem like a, a great idea. Uh-huh. What are the best ways for parents to intervene when their kids are fighting? So, so 
studies indicate two things. First of all, primarily families fall into one of three categories of how they intervene. You either have those who, what we call interventionists, yeah. swoop in, you sit in that room, you sit in that room, and don't talk to each other until you graduate. <laughs> right? that's, that's one form. The second form, those who don't get involved. They tell them, don't, don't talk to me, take care of yourself, go talk to your dad about it. Th- those are the non-involvement ones. The third kind, which is studies are showing most advantageous, is what we call the coaching parents. Those are the parents who, when kids are fighting, they get down and they actually let them talk it out. So they don't start out by saying who started it, because we never, ever find out who started a fight between siblings. It's, right. It's oh, yeah. That's like not the, the best question to ask siblings who started it. We also don't find out who broke the vase, right? We don't right. find out who broke the television. One of those things you absolutely never find out. But you could have them talk about what did you do? What did the other one do? Oh, good. Let them finish up their point, And when someone jumps in and says, that's not true, I didn't do that, tell them, hey, it's going to be your time in a few minutes to explain what happened. But now your sister is talking through these things. And mm. they'll know that you're serious about it and that you will give them the time to talk because you're consistent with it. Yeah. And then when one is done, you tell them, okay, is there anything else you want to tell me about what happened? Okay, now you go to the other one. Now it's your turn. And again, you don't let them jump in and intervene. You let them tell the story. And then you tell them, okay, what could you have done differently when you wanted that truck or when you wanted her to leave the bedroom because you wanted some privacy? What could you have done differently? And you let them walk through that process of, okay, you know what? There are other things I could have done. And it empowers them. Mm. It shows them that there are other ways of doing it. I love it. These kinds of things don't come naturally. It's not genetic for us to know how to do this conflict resolution. Right. We have to learn it. We learn it by fighting when we're dealing with parents swooping in and doing it the right way. I Meaning if they just fight, right. boxing gloves down in the basement, <laughs> that's not where you're going to learn. No. You're going to fight, plus parents coming in and coaching the right way, that's where you're giving them a brilliant kind of learning opportunity. I love it because you're, you're also teaching them – I mean this is setting up a long-term relationship because there's going to be issues forever. Uh, with each other, with, you know, families. And eventually, if we don't know how to fight because someone's always going to intervene, and that happens all the time, even with adults where parents keep intervening and the kids are disabled because they don't know how to do it, or the or the parents that just, you know, I don't want to be involved, keep me out of this. It's really teaching a skill, isn't it? That's your key here. Absolutely. And uh, those who don't get involved, there's a family pattern really often of not dealing with any difficult emotions. Yeah. And, and often that really comes from the marital relationship. So when, when, when a, a husband and wife don't really talk uh, about anything too serious and we love each other and we don't talk about anything that bothers us, that kind of pattern permeates the whole family. So we learn that when there are difficulties, we don't talk about it. You go there, you go there, we don't have to really deal with it. And then you become older, and there are real things that need to be tended to in terms of the family cycle, but we've learned that we don't talk about issues, we don't really know how to navigate through difficult times, we love each other, we say I love you ten times a day, but we don't really love each other. Mm-hmm. You have to learn how to actually engage people and engage family members to deal with real problems that are going to come up. Again, you learn that if early on when you were fighting and parents walked you through that conflict resolution process, you give them really that gift to apply it in many other contexts. I love it. And, and uh, not even to mention just emotion management, that you can't just go off and pound somebody and you can't just run away and slam doors. We're going to deal with this and you're going to have to learn to control your emotion real time. Right. And again, these things are not genetic. Yeah. Naturally, we don't know how to do that. No. The same way we learn how to read and write and go to school, academic learning, we also have to learn emotional learning. We get that from our parents when we're fighting with siblings. I love it. And really, because the parent hears the fight going on and we're all like, oh, here we go. It's going to ruin the night. But I guess all it's saying is 
learning moment. Here we go. Let's figure out we've got it. And the learning moments come, you know, when they come. You just almost have to be willing to deal with it when it's there, right? For sure. And studies show that siblings, when they're younger, they fight on average seven times an hour. (laughs) It's many, many, many learning opportunities. Now, obviously, sometimes we're tired and we're exhausted. It's been a long day. We're not going to every single time get up and walk through this coaching process. But overall, our default setting should be that coaching process. Every once in a while, you know what, you're out in the supermarket or you're out somewhere publicly and they get into a fight. You're not going to now sit down and coach them. Sometimes you have to do swoop in and say, that's it. It's over. But the default should be coaching when they're younger. Or you could just lean back in your lazy boy and yell, don't make me come up there. And then they all just shut up. It helps temporarily. It doesn't. It doesn't work. Hey, uh, talk about, I know you write about it a lot, sibling de-identification. What do you mean by that? So many people notice that siblings from the same family could seem unbelievably different as if they were brought up in different planets. So you have people who were brought up in the same home. They share it from a genetic pool. But for some reason, siblings could be unbelievably different in terms of academics, personality, uh, interests, hobbies. And for many years, researchers were wondering, how can that actually be? And often people just spoke about the fact that even though siblings in the same family are, are living together, but they have what the literature referred to as a non-shared environment. Mm, yeah. There was a lot of their environment that's not shared. They have different kind of friends. Parents engage kids differently based on older one, younger one. But a more appropriate and more direct thing that's happening here is this de-identification. What happens is that siblings sometimes on their own make a conscious decision to have an identity that's different than my sibling, to Hmm. de-identify. Right? So if my older sibling is known as X, and if I would follow that model, it's more of an opportunity to be in conflict with him or her. Sure, and in comparison. Right, a lot of comparisons. If I'm similar to my older brother or sister, they're constantly going to compare me. My parents are going to compare in school, in the community, in the neighborhood. So what I may do to try to avoid that conflict is de-identify. If they're known as X, I'm going to be Y. If they like swimming, I'm going to be into karate. If they're good at math, I'm going to be good at English. If they're extroverted, I'm going to be more introverted. And you actually find a conscious decision by second siblings primarily to try to do some, something different to try to avoid that conflict with the older Interesting, yeah. I mean, it seems like and that depressurizes it. That, right, it minimizes the conflict, absolutely. Yeah. And I guess, though, they could be uh, de-identifying to their own detriment, right? Like not doing something that they could excel at and instead growing something just absolutely. to be different. That, that's, the, that's the big red flag here. So de-identification is a healthy process. But not if it's done arbitrarily. So sometimes parents start this very young, and they realize that they need to de-identify their kids. But unfortunately, they do it in arbitrary ways. Like, oh, you're the academic one, so you'll be the the sport. That's not the way to do it. It's got to be coming from truly their own unique abilities and letting them really make some decisions about the de-identification. But just arbitrarily deciding and labeling siblings. You'll be this one, and you'll be that one. (laughs) That's definitely to the detriment. Well, parents, oh, yeah, yeah, this is the athlete. Oh, yeah, he's the smart one. Right, and they're <laughs> saying that when the kid is four months old. <laughs> so pathetic, I know. Yeah, he picks up his blocks. Right. Um, it's a really interesting thing, too, because it's we, we don't even know this is going on, and yet I, I have a son that just simply cho- – he's a great athlete, but he's just chosen music to be his identity, and it really has set him aside in the family. It's just – it's such an interesting – it's a choice you're saying though. It's an intentional, I guess subconscious for some, but 
it's a choice. Right. To avoid the conflict, to stand out, to have an identity. But again, if it's done arbitrarily, if it's just thrown yeah, a random. label by parents, that's the problem. But if yeah. it's coming naturally, that's a healthy process. Sounds awesome. I mean, really, it sounds – and it, it might be even – it's enabling. It lets you be, be who you want to be. Uh, Dr. Avidan Malevsky is joining us. We're going to take a break, come back, continue this discussion about siblings and the impact we have on each other. Sure, we're different. Uh, But apparently some of it is de-identification. If you have a question for Dr. Malevsky about your children, your brothers, sisters, whatever you got, give us a call. 1-855-242-8298. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. Give us a call or tweet us at BYU Radio. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back, everybody. Ooh, James Taylor. How cool is that, though? If you have a sibling, a brother, a sister, you're, you have a built-in friend. You always have someone to go with. You always have somebody to fight with. You always have somebody to steal a tater tot from. You know, it's sad. And then they send you away to school like they did James when they dropped him on the front step. Friendless, lost in the cold and dreary world. But luckily, the radio show, the Matt Townsend Show, picked him up, nurtured him back, took care of his wounds, put a little salve on that big scratch on his forehead. <laughs> Remember, James? Yeah, it was great. And we stepped in. Yeah, it was a miracle. <laughs> it was a miracle. Thank you so much. It was a miracle. It's still a miracle that you're alive. Yeah. Tell me about it. (laughs) Today we're talking about siblings, my friends, and the power that your siblings, your brother, your sisters, whatever, have on you and how you grow up and how it helps you develop. Uh, The research says in a lot of categories, having a brother or sister makes you healthier, happier. In fact, I read a study earlier. Your weight is dependent on a lot and the impact maybe even more on siblings than it is even on your parents. So quit blaming your parents. If you're gaining too much weight, it might be your sister's fault (laughs) if you're looking for somebody to blame. Hey, on the phone with us is Dr. Avidan Malevsky. He is a professor, associate professor of psychology at Kutztown University and of Pennsylvania and a psychotherapist at Wellspring Counseling. He's written the book Sibling Relationships in Childhood and Adolescence, Predictors and Outcomes, which was published in 2011 by Columbia University Press. Avedon, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Um, talk about uh, what, like, I sit there, I, I assume in your counseling practice, you have a lot of... I always see like kind of the hovering parents. They're always kind of, you know, constricting the growth of their child. Do you see, is there such a thing as a hovering sibling? Is there such a thing as a too protective sibling? So studies indicate that obviously the sibling constellation or the age component is going to play a role with that. But usually when you have a hovering sibling or you have an intrusive sibling as you're an adult already, right. chances are something that the parents did okay, is yeah. what's creating that. They're, they're teaching a model of hovering. Right. And, and one of the things that I work when I work with adult clients on repairing their sibling relationship, I really try to hone in on that 
parental component. So the literature refers to it as the parental context. Mm, okay. and often we blame our siblings for things that happen yeah. or, or that happen to us now as adults. But when you're honest about it and you ask yourself, how did this happen? How did this develop? How do you have these negative memories about your sibling growing up? If you're honest about it, you start realizing how much our parents mm. did things that were not necessarily healthy and ultimately were blaming the wrong people. Often Interesting. It's a parental context. And once clients are able to really free themselves from that or appreciate that concept, they're able to forgive their sibling and reach out to them. Now, you obviously have to do something with the parental piece, right? Yeah. In terms of the sibling component, realizing how intrusive sometimes parents were in the past, creating the negative negativity, and even sometimes even as adults, older parents are still intervening removing the parents often creates that kind of special relationship that we should have with our siblings. I've seen it with parents where, you know, the mom or whatever will come in and say, oh, well, did you hear what your sister said about you? And you're right. like, no, that's a what? straight way in which they're, they're <laughs> na- manipulating the relationship in negative ways. Yeah. Oh, parents, stay away from that. Absolutely. absolutely. And then a lot of the memories we have from our past, right? So you, you were jealous of your sibling. And then you, as you talk about it, you realize, well, you know what? Your parents really favored them yeah. in very obvious ways. So it's not your sister's fault that she always got more things than you did. She was obviously going to receive it from the parents. It's the parents who made the mistake. So really shifting the blame onto who really created yeah. that helps in freeing us and reaching out to our sibling to have the relationship that we really should be having with Because they're a peer. It, it might be better to have the peer relationship and be able to just understand that mom and dad struggled and had their thing. Because your peer is going to last with you a longer time. I mean, not the peer. Your, your brother, your sister can go with you through life. You right, know. For sure, and, and appreciating that. And the fact that also if you think about adulthood in general or where we're, we're reaching to an adulthood with the higher divorce rate and smaller families and we're living longer, if we could really create that with our sibling, mm. we may have a – just in general, you, look at, you think about the sibling relationship. We could have a sibling relationship that lasts for 80 years. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the longest relationship we could have. So uh-huh. really appreciating the fact how important it is to really invest in that sibling relationship and removing the parental component could really provide for us a lifelong gift. What should the parents be doing um, to not intervene too much, to not get in the way, to not step on the toes? What should we be teaching our children? Right. So when we're talking about sibling coaching, what we spoke about a little yeah. while ago, that's appropriate when kids are younger. So preschool age kids, elementary school age kids, studies show that if you try to intervene later, it's actually detrimental to the relationship. So once you've taught them those conflict resolution strategies, once you did the coaching early on, at some point when kids transition into the pre-adolescent and adolescent years, you slowly start pulling back and you let them now apply the messages that you taught them, right? Mm -hmm. Once you learn how to swim, you're going to put a kid in the water and let them swim. So at some point, pull back from the coaching and let them have the relationship that they they can have now because they've learned from you early on how to do that. The worst thing is when you continue coaching them and you continue hovering them, and then that lasts into adulthood. I I recently worked with a family who the the, the siblings were all in their 30s and 40s, and still the mother was making sure that they called each other for birthdays and make Uh. sure that they all came together. And you know it's his, uh, he graduated, so make sure to reach out to him. parents were still intervening, right. really invading the, 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 the independence of their adult children, and that really created major, major conflict between the siblings. And unfortunately, what happens some
sometimes is that once the parents pass at some point, then if the parents were those who ones who kept the relationship going, once they, they yeah, they're, gone. they're no longer there, what ha- who's, who's the glue that's keeping it together? That's true. And it falls apart often. No, that's so true. And it, and it really is a neat idea as a parent to be sitting there thinking, I need to strengthen these relationships. And instead of being jealous that my kids are getting together, they don't always have to have me there. So if, if I have kids getting together, I don't have to go with them. Right. It should make a, a mother or a father so proud yeah. when they hear that their two adult siblings got together for coffee alone to yeah. talk. Like, what, a, what an accomplishment. What an achievement. Yeah. If you get offended that they didn't invite you for coffee, you have to ask yourself, what's wrong with you internally? Sure. What are you lacking that you need to invade that? But what a gift it is when you hear that your, when your children are getting together alone and they're supporting each other. It's, it's a job well oh, done. It really is. And I think in the end, man, how great that all of a sudden you have two kids calling you, telling you something about a third child just to make sure you knew. To know your kids are that engaged, watching out for each other, yeah, you've you've hit payday apparently. Right, that, that's what, what a wonderful goal that is to have that without feeling slighted that you weren't invited. You were yeah. able to create such a bond. You created a relationship. Be very proud of that. Hey, Avidan, in all your research on this, I mean, this is what I love about talking to experts that spend their whole life on a subject like this. What what's the big thing? What is the biggest takeaway that for you? has meant the most to you and your family, your, your siblings, your kids? What, what matters the most to you from what you've learned? I think what's most important to learn is what a lifelong gift this actually is. So childhood, adolescence, adulthood, aging, you, if, if you do the right things early, when the family is young and the kids are young and the parents do the right things in terms of not favoring them and intervening the right ways and allowing them to de-identify, you do that correctly, you will be giving your children a lifelong gift that lasts longer than any iPhone and any tablet and oh. any kind of video game. It is a true gift that you give them for their whole life if you do things correct early. So true. And really, um, and then you give your grandkids can discern and, and can receive those gifts and great-grandkids. For it's sure. It's be handed down. Absolutely. Love it. Okay, Avedon, you are the man. Hey, what? Um, where do they get your book, Sibling Relationships? It's available in any uh, on Amazon, things like that. I have a okay. website, avidonmolevsky.com. I'm on Twitter, on, on Facebook. They could reach out for my research and little articles that I write about the subject in terms of how to help families really create a stronger sibling bond. That's great stuff. Avidan, we so appreciate you. Keep up the good work, and we'll have you back next time we need to figure out our brothers and sisters. We're going to take a break, my friends. Uh, When we come back, do a little bit of the coaching corner, give you some ideas on how to strengthen those relationships. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show second hour. Today we've been talking about siblings, your brothers and sisters, and how they just slowly, slowly try to work you or make you better. And sometimes it's the same thing, right? They make life hard for you, and then the next thing you know, you realize, hey, I can, I can do a judo move and knock my sister out. Those were the days. My sisters, I learned, I watched them sing um, Bread and Chicago songs, Captain and Tennille. Mm. 
I learned so much from my sisters. I still do. And in fact, I just read another study that the majority of care given to parents is done by the sisters of the family. And the brothers kind of statistically try to get out of a lot of work. So if you're raising children, folks, it might be worth spending a little extra time with the girls. You think? <laughs> they will be caring for you later. This is life. why I had four girls. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. You're going to be taken care of so well. Oh, look, we just have a huge pack of, I don't know, middle school kids. What? How old do you think these no, kids no, are? No, 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 no. Those are elementary. Elementary. Mm-hmm. Cute. Hey, uh, on the show today, folks, we're talking sibling rivalries, just sibling, you know, issues. And we this is the coach's corner. Right now we're gonna mm-hmm. try to we're gonna try to learn something. I with my clients, I can't tell you how many times I've had a concerned sister or brother bring their sister or brother into my office and say, Okay, I'm paying for this, help them. That's a cool thing to know that you have yes. a, somebody that's got your back. That they care about you. And will pay the bill to get the help so that you can go change your marriage, your family. Sean's been doing a lot of research on this because uh, – why, Sean? Why have you? I mean, let's Good be question. Real. No, I let's don't be know. Real. Because you're raising girls and you want to have – you want them to be I really wanna, strong. I want them to take care of me when I'm older. Yeah, it's very smart. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. What did you learn? I learned that I'm going to have to take care of my parents. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's up to you. It is. But they do have a motor home. Uh, they do. They have a regular home, too. Yeah. So <laughs> you're going to have to take care of their motor home and their regular home. Well, yeah. Maybe you'll have to move in with them. Would that be okay? Uh, I think it could happen, yeah. I had a friend that actually built out a basement, and in their little retirement, they built a retirement home, the perfect retirement home mm-hmm. for this couple. They were in their 50s. And they put two apartments in their basement for both of their parents, their sets of parents. And in the basement of their house lived their parents. And every morning – I lived make, in my parents' basement. But see, now imagine reversing it and having both you and your wife's parents all living in the same house. See, now that would be a bit – we don't have – neither of us have houses that are big enough to do that. But maybe we would we, have to, we'd have to build something or find another home. Well, or put them out in the motorhome. Well, you could do that. That would be weird. That would be because then who goes to the motorhome? You'd, you'd have to move the motorhome every three days because of the ordinance. <laughs> Just keep parking it on different sides of the street. <laughs> um, it's a big deal. I, I When I coach, though, we can't let – we, we want to love people. We want to have good relationships. And yet there's no harder relationship sometimes than going back to the one you grew up in. Oh, yes. Especially when the roles reverse. Mm-hmm. And now you're the caregiver or you need to make some decisions. It's a big deal. Hey, what uh, what have you found in your research? Uh, well, I've I'm. <laughs> I stumped I stump you. Yeah, you did. because well, my research isn't about parents. What's oh, it's about siblings. Yeah, it's about yeah, but, siblings. No, but go there. So, what have you found there? Well, the other stuff that I found, we we never made it through that whole list. If well, you want to go back more. to that list, well, yeah, but, but so this is a list of how you will know you'll finally know you'll finally like your siblings when you when this occurs in your life. Okay. Such as you bond through some sort of trauma or death in the family. Yeah. But see, that's – I think if that's oh, – Because that I, saw, the right I actually passage? saw that – I saw that happen in my mother's family, actually, when my grandfather passed away. And they all got I think they the got siblings closer. got a lot closer and even more closer once my grandmother passed away as well. Which works unless we're going to fight about her stuff. There was no – there was yeah, – You can't have that. 
So parents? No, grandma said, you ain't fighting about my stuff. Sort it out. She did. She she said, no, you're not doing that. That's good. That's a good so, grandma. But I've, I've seen that now because I have an, one of my uncles. My mom has uh, eight kids in her family. But one of my uncles recently had an accident, and, and he's still in the hospital, actually. Oh, wow. And they all gather around. They, they well, the ones, yeah, the in ones town. that were there in town, yes. Um, but they they've gathered. They've they've, they've discussed things on the phone uh, about his care and about you know things that are going to happen afterwards and stuff. Mm-hmm. He is slowly recovering, luckily. See, so but he's, to he's, me, that's cool because um, one of the great moments to you you could make up any time. Yes. So if you had a blow up when you were younger. A, a disease, a disorder, an accident, whatever. I mean, this could be an opportunity to create some closure, some connection, mm-hmm. some peace. So maybe that's part of the deal is see that life's trying to teach you something. There's a rule that you should always go to the funerals, right? Go to, go oh, to yeah. every funeral. You that mm-hmm. you're, Don't go to funerals you're not invited to. No. Don't just like start looking through the newspaper for funerals. But is this because – when we age, we realize we have very we have similar experiences, and so we're able to share those. Yeah. Well, and you, I mean, yeah, you have you your think, wisdom too. You you're wise. You're like you know what matters. Mm-hmm. But and, you would think, as being a sibling, you would still have you'd have much similar experiences. Yeah. As a kid. Yeah. Because you're you're in the same house. That's right. Well, and you may have made mistakes, but then you could never back out of them. So maybe one of the rules that we all ought to remember is let's give each other space to save face. Let's give each other space to make a mistake and come back. It's hard because sometimes we judge people. They leave your religious beliefs. They leave, you know, they they do something that you can't believe they would do. They change. They change. They have different belief sets. And yet you're still brother and sister. So Mm -hmm. something's got to transcend those beliefs even. And if we were all living our religious beliefs, wouldn't, that belief mean we just love each other anyway? I mean, there's a story in the Bible about there's a bunch, the Good Samaritan and the Prodigal Son, two different stories, but it's like we can take care of anybody. Right. And so if you're having a hard time out there thinking, oh, yes, I've, and you have to keep the story alive that your brother or your sister is just an evil spawn of Satan. <laughs> you're setting yourself. Sometimes up. you think that when you're a kid, though. No, you do because they were a bully and they were rude. And, right. But it's not getting you anywhere anymore. It's a thought that no longer works. And honestly, I think what it does is it makes you go against your values. So you don't you lose the moral authority. It's called logical force. A lot of us have to hate somebody because it's logical. So if we went and said, if I asked four of my five sisters if I, I should like doing this, that. you know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. And it's like, oh yeah, no, I don't. I think she's rude. Oh, okay. So four of us, five of us agree that you're rude. So I don't like you. The problem with it, even if it's a logical idea that gives you the energy to be mean or whatever, the minute you're mean, you are now, it's logical, but immoral. And you can't be happy and at peace if you're immoral. Make sense? So mm-hmm. now all of a sudden I can hate my brother because he didn't come to my daughter's wedding and I'm, I'm not going to his wedding. And so then I become this person that is not who I am, and then I'm amazed that I'm not at peace. So if we want to get through some of this, instead of treating your brother and your sister based on what you think they deserve or what they did to you, maybe you need to first figure out how you want to be. How do you want 
your God or your friend or your neighbor or how do you want to be known and remembered? If you want to be known as the vengeful, mean person that could never forgive, then I guess just go at it. If you want to be remembered as somebody that's principle-centered, that can forgive, that can love, then be the bigger person. Mm -hmm. And you're not doing it always for them. You're doing it just so you can quit being your own problem. Anyway, just an idea. Just an idea in Coach's Corner. Hey, we're going to take a break. And uh, guess who's in the house? Sean knows. Julie. Julie's here. We call her the uh, the child whisperer. Yep. The bomb mom. Mm-hmm. The treat bringer. The, the treat bringer, usually. And uh, But I don't want to set her up to fail. Oh, okay. Unless <laughs> Sorry. We, but, you know. I thought I, I haven't been out there to see if she's got anything. So Julie K. Nelson's joining us from A Spoonful of Parenting. <gasps> yes. I got it right. Yep. And uh, she'll be here teaching us about unhealthy adult relations and relationships with your siblings, your in-laws, things like that. We're taking a break. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking about siblings. And what says siblings more or siblings better than Toad and the Wet Sprocket? Toad, the Wet Sprocket. That is the worst. That is the worst name of a band in the history. No, actually, if you knew where it came from. Where did it come from? It came from Eric Idle of the Monty Python Okay. Troop. Okay. He so actually named more sense. he named a band in a skit that they were doing in their show, <laughs> and he named it Toad the Wet Sprocket, thinking nobody okay. would ever choose that yeah. name. No, that's good. And guess what? That's real good. And, An American and band chose, chose the, name. the name. Now it it doesn't work for me because I served an LDS mission in Argentina in South America. Mm-hmm. Are you it, trying to translate it? No. One night I'm driving, I'm riding my bike down a hill, and I see the ground moving. And there's a migration of frogs mm, crossing mm-hmm. a bridge from one side to the other or whatever. I don't know why I didn't go through. And there are literally thousands of toads in the road. And I laid my bike down and my bike sprocket got wet, got full of toads that were <laughs> and wet. it was wet. <laughs> and I, I rolled right through a million toads. It was one of the funnest moments of funniest moments of my mission. Um, of course, I needed a tetanus shot after. Yes. But I, and I had to pick out Toad out of the wet sprocket. So every time I hear that name, I think, Gah! it was a dark, dark time. Anyway, uh, in the house, Julie K. Nelson from A Spoonful of Parenting, the greatest parenting website this side of the Mississippi. I think both sides would be okay. We could say that. Okay. It wouldn't be a stretch. Okay. It wouldn't no, be a stretch. Wouldn't. No. The greatest and... Um, from coast to coast. Let's just say that. From coast to coast. Okay. Uh, yeah. That covers it all. It's a great site. And the cool thing about you, Julie, that I don't know if you know, um, you don't. she always makes good food. You don't need to make food to come here. No, because I just am a treat in myself. But you you could leave money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, you are a treat. And, and the deal is you're the real deal. You're a, you have a, you're a professor, a, an adjunct faculty member at Utah Valley University. You're a queen of marriage and family. You have a master's degree. 
You teach parenting. You teach marriage. You teach relationship skills. You've written a book. And my second one's coming out real soon. Yep. I know. You're yeah. a braggart. Yeah. And a drunkard. And a drunkard. And I bake really good treats. Oh, those treats, those apple things those, you mean? The apple galette I left mm, last time. What was it called? Galetta? Apple galette. Ooh, apple. I'll just call it galetta. <laughs> I couldn't get enough of the apple galetta yeah, they because were good. everyone else took one. Yeah. Which wasn't. It wasn't nice of them because they were, they were all for you. Here's the deal. Um, you may not know this, Julie, but a lot of people around Thanksgiving time. Dread it because Dread they have it. to get together with family. And some people yeah. think their family – some people think their families – they're weird. They're strange. Some people's brothers and sisters married weird people. Yeah. Or their brother and sister is weird themselves. Yeah. And so then you have to go face all these people mm-hmm. that aren't really – they're not put together right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. The elevator doesn't go to the top floor. and. You still have to deal with them. Yeah. So how do we handle sibling relationships when they're messed up, we think? Yeah. Now that and sounds it happens. Negative. It happens not at just Thanksgiving. That's just when we have to come to face to face with them. Yeah. But it's year round. We have all these issues that we have to deal with. Our siblings, our adult siblings now have turned into, you know, mental cases. Oh, yeah. Or they've Real. married mental cases or they're still living at home with mom and dad and being, you know, couch potatoes, not moving on with their lives. Or oh, and then they're taking their money and they're yes. uh, and you keep hearing your parents complain. I don't know. They're just going to be here a couple more weeks, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Or the parents like continue to throw money at a particular yeah. child who's totally sucking up yeah. all the inheritance yeah. that you might have had. That's what bugs me because, yeah. hey, they can suck up anything they want but my inheritance. <laughs> but not my inheritance. <laughs> Don't you touch. Yeah. So What we, do you do? Yeah. So we have some really interesting dynamics as we grow up and continue to have siblings and we have to be thrown together in situations like that. Yeah. So, you know, here's the thing. So many of us are living with the, I wish it were different. Yeah. How come it's not? I got robbed. Things, my life sucks because it wasn't better than, you know, it could have been. And we're living in, in, in this in this past, sure. you know, uh, scenario of why couldn't it be? Wish it were. Yeah. And we waste energy on the could have, should have, you know, right. why why is, is my sister not the sister I wish she could have Well, yeah, been. why don't they ever call me? Like, I yeah. mean, I see my friends and they all have best friend sisters yeah. and mine yeah. won't even call. So we're wasting energy, folks, on yeah. the would have and the could have. So the first point in having siblings that aren't making wise choices as adults is to stop trying to change them. It's the same thing with our relationship yeah. with marriage. I mean, it is what accept it is. Them. That's, accept them who they are. At some point, you have to let them be who or she is, and they're not going to grow out of their current state right now. I mean, give them time for later. It might happen. But right now, don't waste energy saying, uh, you know, right. why isn't it? Just accept that's the way it is. And number two, don't be the 911 person that always comes to rescue them because yeah. then you're going to create that dependent relationship where they will not change. Like what if they have – yeah, because that's the problem is if they're an addict, if they're mm-hmm, doing mm-hmm. something – Always bailing them out of jail, always giving them money for the, whatever it is because you know, that's the problem where we're rescuing them and that gives them a, no chance to grow. How do you know though – because I had this asked to me today. How do you know if it's – if you're really rescuing them and or you're, if you're literally saving them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it might be – you don't want to have – everyone's trying to avoid the – I don't want to be the one that says no and then they go die Yeah, because I no one was there. Right. And yet you don't also want to keep being the yes that ensures that they're on the path to die yeah. and as soon as somebody won't take it anymore. Yeah. I know. And that's – and I have a really dear friend that is dealt with that. And her own son now, they're rescuing him a lot. And yeah. he's not growing. Yeah. And um, 
it's a tough one, and I'm not going to say the answer to that because everyone has to examine their own know. conscience and their own children. Um, but I have I have seen over time that we can't parent out of guilt or out of fear. Mm-hmm. And if you're rescuing them because of those two problems, guilt or fear, well, what if they die? And yeah. will it be my fault? Parents, really, you you can help them up to a point, but you have to at some point let them face the consequences sure. of their lives. And not then, if something t- terrible happens, say, I should have done something different. Because it is what it is. You've done the best you can. And the child eventually yeah. has to have the chance to grow or to not. You know, my favorite thing, a lot of parents will come in and they'll tell me, oh, yeah, so we want to bring my son in to talk to you. But before we did, we wanted to tell you everything you needed to know. (laughs) And almost every time they say that, I usually talk them into not bringing their son in for a while. And let's just work with them. Yeah. Because if I can get them strong enough to do what needs to be done, I may not even need to talk to their son. Yeah. And and often because we want to rescue them all the time because we're feeling like, oh, no, I don't want to be responsible for their death or whatever on my hands or what happens is that they never hit hit the point that tells them, I'm at the bottom of what the of my rock right, bottom, right? And and they realize at this moment I've got to change. They never get to the rock bottom because you're always sure. saving them from yeah. that. Oh yeah, and I mean and that you're like I call that the bumper. You're the bumper, mm-hmm. and if you're going to constantly absorb all of the negative energy of mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. they're not going to get the beat down they need. <laughs> you need to, and let it's hard them to let them beat down either right. if you're the parent or the sibling. It's hard, mm-hmm. and we tend to end up rescuing them. The other one was just resist, resist resentment. Yeah, the resentment's easy because yeah. it's not fair. You shouldn't be taking mom's money. Yeah. Yeah. Mom needs her money. Life should be fair. And we, it's still that we're having those sibling squabbles when we were five. It's, oh, yeah. not, fair. it's not fair. But she now we're me. 30 and right. we're still squabbling if it's not fair. It's true. Stop the resentment and stop punishing them for whatever your perceived injustices are in life. You're a grown up now. Yeah. You know, move past it. And then focus on the positive. Um, in any relationship, whether it's healthy or not healthy, but especially in not healthy, we tend to focus on the you know, the 50% of them that's just not working. Sure. But let's focus on the 50% of the good that is there. Yeah. And, and and focus on that because we get more of what we focus on. And if I'm always just down on you of mm-hmm. why don't you do this and why don't you do that and why yeah. are you um, abusing mom and dad's, you know, inheritance and all that sort of stuff, but not recognizing the good that's in that sibling. And you can find yeah. it. It's oh, there. Yeah. Well, and, and you might even know, like, if you're going to dinner that – if they're with their spouse, they're always more difficult than if they're just alone. Mm-hmm. So get them alone mm-hmm. and go talk to them and do dishes with them on the side and yeah. have a relationship where you can. I, I love what you just said. So f- orchestrate your life so that you can get them into the most yeah. positive uh, person that they can be. And if their spouse is bringing them down, you know, change the conversation if the spouse is being critical yeah. or get them into another room, like you said. Yeah. Focus on the good that, that that person can offer. Well, and how powerful all of a sudden you're still influencing them. Mm-hmm. You need the relationship eventually if you really want to help them. Mm-hmm. So the minute you start pulling away, it seems like it's smart because it's logical, but it's not it may not be the moral choice. Well, and, and and look at relationships, Matt, where you have your sibling who's married to someone who's emotionally abusive, and that person's going to pull away anyway because the spouse is controlling. Right. Well, you're not going to want to be in the room with them because of the dynamics of that yeah. relationship. But the more I pull away, the uh, the le- least I'm in a position, the less I'm in a position to, to help empower. that, That's to right. empower that person. That's so huge. I've I've got to be a part of their you life. You got to stay in it. And the last one with your sibling, if it is unhealthy, do create boundaries in your life and your family, and if appropriate, with your 
aging parents. Some siblings do have unhealthy codependent relationships with their family or other members. They might be trying to do some kind of 911 rescue, create boundaries, and um, maybe some intervention with the family and say, this is what has to happen from now on. You know, if if you have a sex offender in your life, you need to say, hey, brother, you're not welcome in these these scenarios. And you do need to create some safe boundaries. And if you don't know what to do, the best money is to go get help and let them just teach you or coach you what to do. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise you become the enabling, codependent mm-hmm. parent. And in the end, you will regret it because you're just weakening them. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know what to do, call an expert, get a book, mm-hmm. go on your website, a Spoonful of Parenting. <laughs> I'm sure it's just free advice. It is. It is. That's the cool thing. Um, see, you know, and you haven't even met my family, but you pegged it. Yeah. No. They're full of nuts and Nuts and bolts. bolts. Mm-hmm. No bolts. And that's the thing is, is we have to quit wishing that our family was like somebody else's because oh, sure. we all have nuts and bolts. Oh, yeah. You know, it's so so focus on what you do have. Empower the people that you do. Yeah. Don't rescue and save and create safe boundaries. Totally. See, <sighs> Julie K. Nelson. It's like she knows what she's doing. Matt M. Townsend. Matthew he knows M. what he's doing. Not really. We're just faking it. <laughs> faking it till we make it. We're going to take a break, though. You're going to stick with us. Yeah, um, we're going to talk about healthy relationships. Well, no, wh- how interesting would that be? Yeah. Because so, some of the people at the table will Are be healthy. Are actually normal. That's right. Kind of like this group. <laughs> half are messed up, nuts and bolts, and half are pretty normal. I don't know why you're looking at me that way, James. Uh, again, another dig from James's eyes to mine. Sad. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Hey, soul sister. I think Julie's my soul sister. You're my soul brother. We're sibs. We're sibs. We're soul sibs. Mm-hmm. Soul sibs. <laughs> Sounds like a beverage. You want some soul sib? <laughs> I can never get enough. Hey, um, her name, Julie K. Nelson. Her alias, Bomb Mom. Nobody. Or, or Child Whisperer. Or child Whisperer. <laughs> uh, she's the wife uh, of one, mother of five. Good thing I only have one because that's, that's weird, all I need. Sometimes I invert those. <laughs> She's the wife of five, mother of one. <laughs> no. But in reality, you, you're you the bomb because you have written the book, Parenting with Spiritual Power. Yeah. You have another book coming out called um, If I Were a Rich Man. That's right. <laughs> I wouldn't be a, a parent. I wouldn't the... be a parent if I were rich. If you were a rich man. Yeah, it's called a Keep It Real and Grab a Plunger, oh, yeah. 25 Tips for Surviving Parenthood. Mm. Yeah, I didn't come up with it. The publishers did, but it's catchy. You know what? Though plunger is a really hot topic. Now. It is. It's it's what they're discussing around the tables of America. Grab a plunger. Mm-hmm. Uh, you here's what's cool though. If you go to your website, a spoonful of they get wisdom, they get ideas. You you are a creative genius. Uh, I wasn't going to go there. <laughs> But yeah, you are a creative <laughs> genius. But you also you talk you just talk real. Yeah, you're not. No, there's, like, there's good stuff on there, and they can just download it for free and get any kind of on any topic. That's what's neat yeah. about you. It's almost more like a charity. It is. 
I do this all for free. <laughs> you know it. Don't tell your husband, huh? You know it. He, he, you stay away and you can't go home because you have to stay here on the Matt Townsend show. Yeah, for free. Um, now, not all of our family members, believe it or not, are messed up. Mm. Some are fairly normal. Yeah. And you may be one. You may not be one of those. So how do we grow healthy relationships with our bros and sows, our mm. brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, your your talk, your show um, ahead of time, the guest talked about being, um, having from childhood, not playing favorites, you know, yeah. be, be sure that you start out with kids who don't feel like you favor one or the other. Um, you know, for example, I had a, a student who said that her parents said that her curfew was at 10, but her brothers, she was a twin, mm-hmm. her brothers was 11 and she's a Y. Well, because he's a boy. Well, he's a boy. Boys can stay out. I know. How much kind of resentment is that going to create yeah, in their young totally. adult years, which no. she does now have? Does she? Yeah. He was always favored. And, you know, the other thing about with our old older children as they become parents is to not continue that playing favorites into their young adulthood. Oh, see. And middle oh, life. Because yeah. this is the other scenario. You get the parent who, let's see, I have a son who's the corporate lawyer and I have a son who is a... Yeah. Yeah. Fill in the blank. Okay. Uh, he, he, a machinist. A machinist. And so they get phone calls saying, guess what? Your brother's mm-hmm. just said, oh, he's traveling yeah. the world. He's yeah. presenting papers. He just bought this house. And the machinist is sitting there listening to this mm-hmm. like success of the other brother. And it continues on yeah. um, into their middle age and older age years where the other brother can do no wrong. And he's the golden child. See, parents, see, that's what that see. My sisters call me the golden child. Mm-hmm. And I actually like to leverage that. <laughs> That I was the baby and spoiled rotten. So, you know, yeah. get off my back. Or, yeah. Or the moms who one stays at home with their children raising them and then the other sister or brother is yeah. out there making lots of money. And then she gets phone calls from the parent all the yeah. time saying, well, guess what she just did and how much money she got in promotion. And the mom's sitting at home going, I do nothing but raise kids. Yeah. And nobody values what I do. So true. And so we've got to continue even into young adult middle age as having children feel that they're equally loved and validated. But it's funny because the fair um, is a – what's fair to some isn't – so you may not need to loan money to the lawyer. Mm-hmm. But you may need – you may give a special Christmas to the brother with – that's the machinist. Mm-hmm. So that's also could be fair. So you – I mean that's what's hard about this is some people – it's fair doesn't mean dollar for dollar for dollar for dollar. And I see parents, in-laws, everybody gets caught up in trying to make everything fair. Mm-hmm. But you know, somebody that's making 500000 a year probably doesn't need – you know, the big Christmas that you might be able to provide to another that needs it. So how do you smooth over? So how I smooth that over, how I smooth that over is um, I would say uh, to not compare and to celebrate and have generosity of spirit for your siblings. Now we can start this young where so-and-so got an A on their paper and you got a B. You don't say, for for instance, don't compare. And don't say, well, look at her. She got this and say, this is my trophy child. But we we celebrate everyone's accomplishments. And the thing about having um, a generosity of spirit is that it doesn't take away – my success by somebody else right being it's successful. not zero sum you can no you can have you everyone can have success on their level and yeah. contribute but so point it when, out so when someone has a success whether you're still in the home or these are adult children then we celebrate their success just as if we'll celebrate your success because we we add to each other's happiness right. as we are happy for other people now when they have sadness we also mourn sadness sure. like he's unemployed or they're having a tough christmas what can we do and we we 
kind of consolidate our resources and our sympathy yeah. for one another and our celebration. So when someone has something good, we consolidate our celebrating. We go out and have a great you know, dinner together and we celebrate this person who's just got a promotion. But when something bad happens, we also consolidate mm-hmm. our grief and we say, what can we pull together to help out our siblings so that we all mourn together, yeah. but we also celebrate together? Well, maybe too, that's it, isn't it? Like maybe we also have to just respect that our parents also have i don't know what it is like a stewardship and insight mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they may know better who needs what and where the resources might need to go so before you jump to the conclusion that they're favoring yeah maybe we could just broaden our mind and think how do they need it differently i mean it's just it's so cuz even time you you might as a grandparent end up going to one child's games more than another mm-hmm. And it simply might be because they're next door. Yeah. Or it might be because you can get out on the field and get your chair set up easier at that location yeah. than another location. Yeah. Which is exactly in our family, the same thing. Where I live away from my grand- the grandparents of my kids, they never come to any games. Yeah. But they're always at the games of because they live closer. That's I right. cannot take that away from mm-hmm. them. And, you know, if we keep generating that generosity of spirit and that empathy for when someone is you know having a tough time, it helps the siblings when you have passed away to be there for each other. Oh, that's Exactly. Because you're not going to be able always to be no. there and orchestrate the, you know, whatever it is. And so we teach our siblings to be there for each other in times of good and in times of bad mm-hmm. and to not feel like it takes away. I had a, a mother just uh, share with me her twins. They, um, well, the two girls, they both got engaged at the same time and they're going to get married within a month of each other. Huh. And these are competitive girls. And at first they're like, "Game on!" she's taken away from my special yeah. day. <laughs> and the mom's like, no, it's not taking away. It's going to be even better yeah. that we can celebrate all. So it's, it's changing it's that so perception true. of, gosh, she's having more of the piece of the pie than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, start young and then it will continue throughout. It's brilliant. Their, mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, all another thing we want to do is, is to create these healthy relationships is to also create this forgive and forget mentality. Um, that if there's something that's happened in their adult life, that someone's wronged someone, that we want to extend that olive branch and be the first one to say, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And that should continue throughout life. But what what if they're the one? <laughs> so I've been waiting for them to apologize because I figure once they get it. Well, you mentioned the holidays. Now, Thanksgiving, especially Christmas, mm-hmm. when we got to be thrown together. Well, I'm not going to go to that thing because that so-and-so's there. Yeah. And da-da-da. Put aside those. As adults, we can do this. We can be bigger yeah. than our than our hurts. Right. And it might even be helpful to, you know, send an email. Look, the holidays are coming and I've missed seeing you. We really haven't gotten along recently. Can we talk about can we talk this out? I want to see you there at the table. That's cool. Send them an email. Um, if there's a reluctant sibling, don't stop inviting them. Just because they said no once, keep going. Yeah. There's plenty of years for you guys to keep working at that relationship. And if you never hear back from them, don't stop. Mm-hmm. There was an example of two uh, uh, brothers who they were jealous of each other. One always was favored. And we're talking back into their into their 60s and 70s. The one that was not favored yeah. was not speaking. Black sheep. Yes. Yeah. And the nieces and nephews kept saying, hey, you got to, you know, be brothers and all that sort of stuff. Then one day this guy received an email from his brother telling a story about two men who had a stream dividing their properties. One man hired a carpenter to build a fence along the stream, but the carpenter built a bridge by mistake. (laughs) The man read the email, and then he wrote back, I'd like to walk over the bridge. Cool. 
Yeah. And these are guys in their 70s. And then the the brother died not too long after that. And the brother said, I'm so glad. We built the bridge. We built the bridge. Yeah. And it's never too late to build the bridge. No. Never too late. But see, think of the, just the spirit of that is, mm-hmm. and it only takes one of you to build a bridge. Mm-hmm. And even if the bridge is never used. Yeah. It's still a bridge. You still have that generosity of spirit and it forgiving. Also, it's good for you even if the person never crosses it. Well, again, to me, that's what I think gets the venom out. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard Stephen has a quote, Covey has a quote that says, um, it was really good and I forgot it. <laughs> it's not the snake that bites you, that kills you. It's the running around. It's chasing the snake mm-hmm. that drives the venom to the heart. Yeah. So it's not what your brother did to you that hurt you. Mm-hmm. It's not letting it go. Chasing it and that venom will eventually kill you. That's right. And think suck about, out the venom. And think about your nieces and nephews who are begging you to make uh, good with each other. And finally you do and they see you reconciling. Mm-hmm. What does that teach the next generation? Don't Huge. hold on to grievances. Well, and that's something that one family can do. I don't need the entire family to unify around an idea. Mm-hmm. But I can be the one family that I'm not going to play the game. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to hate my brother because others hate him. Mm-hmm. I'm So uh, another idea of Covey, Stephen Covey, was be loyal to the absent. So whenever you're at a family party, if everyone starts bad-mouthing somebody, don't participate. Yeah. And be loyal to that person and talk about how great he was. And if they won't come to the parties, then you go find out great stuff and you bring their great stuff to the party and talk about. So did you hear what John's family did? This was the coolest thing. And bring it up. Awesome. And bring it up and get his spirit there. His spirit there. And then eventually he'll hear. Yeah. He'll hear that everyone was talking about how great that was. and Oh, that's awesome, Matt. Cool? That's one person. And, I, and my, my parents do that so, so well. And, you know, talking about holidays coming up, what I love is that – even in this society where we're living everywhere, it's not like before where we we're all in the same town and we got together right. all every other weekend. We, we're in a transit society, and you might have siblings that live in New York and L.A. and all over the place, and we can't get together. But if parents are talking about their accomplishments and how great everyone is and sharing, it, even via technology, having a family website, yeah. um, doing some Skyping, Google Hangout, that keeps the, the connection, the connectivity oh, of siblings, even though we live far away and we may cannot gather around the Thanksgiving Technology is, a, is the way – my wife is taking all of my mother-in-law's pictures, which are literally thousands, mm-hmm. and they're archiving them and then they're scanning them. And so every week now she's yeah. sending out pictures of aunts and family and it's, go, and it's, it's actually unifying yeah. all of these cousins. They're like, no way. I want copies of those. So now all of this work put together by my wife and her sister are going to be handed out to all extended family. Everybody's going to have pictures. Yeah. Because of – and you know what? That right there is going to bring everyone in. Everyone in. And so keep it going. Uh, bring in technology to keep people connected. Send emails to everyone. This is what's going on with the family. Do a, I have a family. But once a month, the grandparents, both sides, send – this is what's going on in all the family members. Love it. So that we can know, oh, An so-and-so. Update. So, update. Every month that I know what's going on. So Because cool. we don't do it as well. No. Last of all, I, I really like this, and we do in our families, is we have family reunions with adult yeah. siblings. That's I love that. Um, even with kids that can be invited or not. But you know, yeah, just, maybe just every siblings. other year mm-hmm. you have a big family with yeah. kids and then sometimes you just do dinner with yeah. yours. Just, just the siblings yeah. and the, and the uh, married couples. Love that. Um, without kids. That really creates that longevity of relationships with siblings. And, and you have to do it before grandmas and grandpas pass That's because right. you may not have the stories and the history and the traditions. Absolutely. Oh, see. Absolutely. You can't. You need a family reunion. You do. So right there, everybody go plan a family reunion for next summer. And if you've never had one before, go look them up. They're not that hard to do, mm-hmm. and um, people do it all the time. We'll come speak. Yeah. 
<laughs> just call us. Julie and I will come see I'll be the game person, the activities <laughs> coordinator. I'm good at that. I bet you'd be like the cruise director. Yeah. And uh, we'll do the face painting, all that <laughs> oh, stuff. Um, but no, no, those are really unifying things uh, where they see, cool. where the children see their adult parents, sibling relationships going on into yeah. their 30s, 40s, and 50s. Um, fa- fantastic time together. Well, I think you got it. You nailed it. Problem solved. Mm-hmm. Everybody out there now, mm-hmm. just do what Julie just said. Mm-hmm. And Matt. Uh, Julie K. Nelson's her name. Spoonful of Parenting is her game. A spoonful of parenting.com. Go check out her book, uh, Where'd It Go? It's really good. I just saw it. Parenting with Spiritual Power. And the soon to be <laughs> book about plungers. Yes. You won't ever forget that. And other various things. Oh, my gosh. You're the best. Uh, stick with us, will you, Julie? Yeah. We're going to come back. Alyssa's going to join us, and we're going to just wrap up the show on sibling life and maybe even some sibling love, how to take care of each other and create better feelings. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. This is BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Imagine Dragons on top of the world. I love to end the show on this song. I don't know why. It just makes me feel like I'm on top of the world. For some reason. I love this song. Isn't that a great tune? It is. Hey, uh, speaking of great tunes, Alyssa is here with us. I'm a great tune. No, I thought you were going (laughs) to sing a song. Are you not singing your tune? Oh, no. You're a great tune. Thanks. You are. Hey, Thanks, Alyssa, Matt. talk about um, how many brothers and sisters do you have? I have two older brothers and then a younger brother and sister who are twins. Mm. Twins? Yes. Is that hard to be, have siblings that are twins? Because it's, like no. it's like they share the same brain. It's great. Well, I mean, they're boy-girl, so they're not identical. So they actually have different brains. Yeah. So it's fun. That's good. They don't like it when their friends like each other, though. That oh, bothers weird. them. They're, they're freshmen in high school, so it's like starting <laughs> to do a little bit of that. Fun! But it's fun, yeah. So uh, what are you going to talk to us about? Um, the perks of having siblings. The perks. So sorry if you're an only child. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are people that are only children. And to me, that's I, – I felt like an only child because I was the only boy and they didn't – you know, no one related to me. <laughs> But it's sad. Let's talk about it. I feel sad. Um, so what are some of the perks? So the first thing. Free used clothes. Is, well, kind of. Okay. My little sister is five years younger than me, though. So okay. not, not so, so hand-me-downs much. is could be yeah. not so great. With, like, scarves and uh-huh. stuff we uh-huh. can share. Oh, that's but what But not, James like, shoes or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or jewelry. Yeah. But, okay, <laughs> the first one is you have an all-time hangout partner. That's cool. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, but at some point they're not cool. No, they're always cool. Well, I mean, but they're, what if they're like older or younger? Mm-hmm. Your younger brothers sometimes kind of they're not cool. I mean, mine mine's pretty. Oh, cool. yours pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, and closer in age, you know, right. you're hanging out more if you have the same share the same interests. Yeah, um, that's so true. So I say four years or tighter, you're going to hang out. If it's more than four years, the span not well, so much. It's harder. That's yeah. where my some of my <laughs> first girlfriends were my sister's girlfriends. Yeah, were my sister's that would best be friends. a benefit. I oh, hope funny. I hope Alyssa's yeah. talking about that. Oh, that's hot. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. I used to. Um, 
hang out with friends. In high school, I'd always be like, okay, I need to go hang out with my friends. And then my brother came up to me and he's like, you know, Alyssa, I've never regretted the times that I've chosen to hang out with family over friends. Oh, so you thought And that like oh, hit wow. me pretty hard. Wow. I was like, that's a good point. And so I kind of started hanging out with my family more. And I was like, that's so true. That's when cool. you go out with your friends, it's more of the temporary pleasure. It was fun. Yeah. But then looking back with your family, it's yeah. it's always something to Well, and cherish. especially because then if you're good friends too, when you go on a trip, it's not so strange. Because mm-hmm. there's yeah. the awkward trip. Yeah. If, you, if none of you ever talk and then all of a sudden you're on a trip. <laughs> It's awkward. Like we should that be closer. That bad. Yeah. I don't think I've had that before. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> Give us some more. Those are great perks. Okay, so this was a list online. So they said you don't have as many homework issues, but I'm applying this to college okay. because my oldest brother, when I came to college last year, he helped me with everything. He helped with, you cheat. Oh yeah, just okay. kidding. No, he didn't. I put No, he helped me with. Um, networking with Mm. scheduling and planning and he would call me probably three to four times a week and say how are you doing how's everything going what a great brother are you feeling homesick do you have your um, do you have enough money are you good with studying he was a a TA so he was helping with that what a great yeah Mm -hmm. and just the fact that he took time to think of me and let me know that he's thinking of me. Plus, was he saved cool. you on late fees. <laughs> right. Yeah. He saved a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And he also taught me um, the importance of staying in touch with our family. So I'll call my grandparents, you know, once a week because they don't live nearby. They live in California. So – and that's always fun. Oh, yeah. And so your siblings, they teach you things, I think, mm-hmm. especially great. the older ones. <laughs> Um, and the next one is you have evergreen admirers. That's true. Because <laughs> everyone's always looking up to you like, oh, that's my big brother. Yeah, he's pretty cool. That's, and I use that with my kids. Like, you know, your brothers are watching you. Uh, okay, that's kind of the opposite. So like, is that – I mean, is that, is that what you want to do? <laughs> is that how you want to go down? Right, right. Well, so my little sister, we're actually pretty close and she is my little shadow. She just – everywhere I go, she wants to go. And it's not annoying. We really love each other. It's pretty fun. And so she's my biggest cheerleader and I attribute all of my confidence and my self-worth to her and to my family because – they're always telling me how great I am. You're going to do That's well so at cool. this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your family is your biggest your biggest support and your biggest rock. And, yeah, It's so. awesome. So kids don't have to make the same mistakes. If they see their, their older sibling making it, they're like, oh, not right. doing that. So you right. learn a lot of the good and the bad through older That's siblings. That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. And my oldest brother is good at that. He, um, he kind of like – tests the waters for us and says well i kind of tried this but i think you guys should try this Mm -hmm. and that's pretty cool he could keep that to himself and just be like that let them figure it out you know yeah you don't make so many mistakes so that's how the little the youngest kids in the family are always perfect because they just learn (laughs) i mean they have to be they should be oh present present. (laughs) so sad but so true that's funny well those are cool um i mean i think that's what's that's what's neat about this is you know, even if you don't have a brother or a sister, you can still be the same impact mm-hmm. on somebody, right. on your nephews, your nieces, stuff like that. Let's end. Let's appreciate that. You rocked it, of course, as Thank usual. You. Hey, um, here's a quote for you. Sean gave me a quote earlier, but I couldn't. I don't think anyone would know one of the words, so I'm not going to do it, even though I loved it. Um, here's a quote. Being sister and brother means being there for each other. Mm, it rhymes. Even. It rhymes. See, mm-hmm. I like rhymes. But let's be there for each other. Family, friends. It's one thing to just know a lot of people. It's another thing to know that you're just loved 
by your family. Who so, you are. You have right. a shared history, and, it, and, and they love them no matter that's what. Right. You're there. Mm-hmm. Julie Nelson, thanks for being here. Mm-hmm. Go check out her website, A Spoonful of Parenting. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're wrapping it up. Tomorrow's going to be a best of show. And again, uh, we can't do the show without you. So thanks for being with us. We look forward to Monday. And go make it a great day.